This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. You wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest podcast in the world. It's Decibel Geek. You know it's true. My name's Aaron Camaro. I'm a huge KISS fan, and I'm proud of it. My man right here, my lieutenant in the KISS Army, yeah, the one and only Chris Sinzak. How do you feel knowing that we're actually celebrating Christmas in July? Hard to believe, because we really came down to the wire there. Yeah, I mean, technically, technically, I thought, well, I, I heard from a lot of people that said, hey, man, the review's in the mail, I promise, or... I swear I did one, but it just never showed up. I don't know what happened. I get that all the time. And I thought, man, yeah, whatever. And then the timeline is up. It's over. And we fall short by two. Then all of a sudden, we start getting a couple of reviews. I go, well, I don't know. You know, we did set some pretty serious parameters. And it was only 20 reviews. They could have gave them to us. Maybe people don't like Kiss. No, that can't be it. I thought, no, nah, we're not doing Kissmas in July. But then I saw that David Cathy ordered a Decibel Geek t-shirt. And I thought in my heart, what would David Cathy do? David Cathy would bring you Kissmas in July. So Dave, thank you for grabbing that t-shirt. And everybody else, thank David Cathy for saving Kissmas in July. It's all his fault. He did it. <laughs> And as you're about to hear, we did get the last two reviews that we needed for the intro here. So we're good. That's right. That's right. I can't be too much of a Kissmas Grinch because we did get a couple of reviews. So let's knock these bad boys out real quick because we got some Kissmas in July to celebrate. The first one's entitled The Best. All five stars. It's an Apple podcast review and it goes like this. I discovered Decibel Geek Podcast while working a boring overnight shift seven years ago. I was blown away by their professionalism and genuine dedication to all things hard rock and metal. Some podcasts I've stopped listening to because of redundancy and sheer boredom of the hosts. With Decibel Geek, I look forward to every new episode. I even have listened to some episodes multiple times. I can't say that about other podcasts. The honest friendship between hosts Chris and Aaron are what I think makes this show as good as it is. It's been said before by other reviewers, but it truly does feel like hanging out with friends, talking about the music that we love. That's a five-star review, baby. It don't get much better than that. comes to us from John P. on Apple Podcasts right here in the good old USA as we record this the 4th of July. Happy Independence, everybody, and thank you for that sweet review. Technically, that would be 19. <laughs> Technically, it would. And, and thank you, John P. That was uh, that's amazing stuff you said there, and uh, we truly appreciate it. Yeah, man. That's freaking awesome. That makes me feel good. That's why we're still passionate about doing this show. So, you know, there you go, 19. Not bad. Only a couple of days late. Mm, we're still shy of one. But wait. I see them. Pink stars. All five. That's a pod chaser review. This one comes to us from Abzajaya, I think. Sounds right. 
and it goes like this. Hi, just a quick message to say thank you. I've been listening for about five years, and I've discovered a few new albums that I knew nothing about before, and a couple of nuggets about one of my favorite bands. Thank you from the country where everything is spelled with a K. It's Hockstein Bergstad. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> a very regular geek of the week, Hakon Bergstad. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. So there you go. We bend the rules because we're KISS fans, and that's how we roll. So you know what? Kissmas in July, it's here. It is upon us. And we've got an awesome thing coming up for you today. But I want you to know, before we get to the celebration and the adoration of our favorite band, there's a lot of ways you can help us. It's not just Podchaser reviews. It's not just Apple Podcast reviews, Facebook recommendations, picking up a t-shirt. It can be as simple as this. I know a lot of you are on Facebook and Twitter already, but when you see we've got a new episode that comes out, man, take that thing and share it. Because not only are you helping us spread the word about what we're doing here on Decibel Geek, we're showing the world that rock and metal is still important and vital in the modern day. We're spreading the word. You're helping us do it. We keep it alive. You keep it alive. We love the people that do that, whether it's a retweet or a share on Facebook. We love it either way. Do that, and not only do we love you forever, we honor you as a Geek of the Week. Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Sean Geek Podcast, Tom Logsdon, Gene Vogel, Shay Hargitz, The Stickman Stick Show, Kevin Williams, Pantheon Podcast, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Derek Novak, Brent Tibbetts, Mike Parnell, Shane Abair, Al Horta, Sit and Spin with Joe, David Glenn, John Phillips, Cesar Atondo, Mark Alden-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, David, Kathy, Will, Honeycutt, JJP, Body of the Soul, Jay Shablewski, Bill Elam, Keith Rockford, Eladio, Ernesto Aguiar, Kevin's on Fire, Vet Halen, Whiting Guitar Works, Hawk on Bergstad, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, and as always, the Mooger The Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people, the favorite of us all, the geeks of the week, man. Out there sharing it and spreading it and showing the world rock and roll is alive and well, and we're doing a podcast about it. You ought to check it out. It's pretty great, if I do say so myself. Especially during the month of July. Oh, yeah. So, you know, throughout the history of the show, we've interviewed all kinds of different people. From famous rock stars, people that we looked up to when we were young, producers that made some of our favorite albums, all the big shots, man. We talked to quite a few. Some of my favorites are the people that were kind of behind the scenes, or maybe weren't in the band. Seems like those people a lot of times have the best stories. So, Chris, you brought somebody that fits that description. Whew, this is going to be something today, folks. I'm telling you, we're kicking Kissmas in July off the right way. Chris, tell the people about who we got with us. Well, this is a guy that we call Diamond Tim, and Diamond Tim is from Nashville here, our hometown, and uh, where I grew up also. And Tim was a part of the Nashville music scene, but also was the stepson of the sheriff of Nashville, who, ironically, my grandmother worked for, which was just a weird small world thing. But I've been following Tim's posts on Facebook for years, and we have a lot of mutual friends that played in the in the local rock scene, but I never met the guy. But he always had these amazing stories and photos to prove it of concerts and rock stars he hung out with and all this amazing stuff. And it just every time I would see these posts, I'm like, man, this dude would be amazing to have on the show. 
and he did several posts relating to Kiss. And uh, we're going to definitely, after you hear him, you're going to want him to come back on the show because he's got a ton oh, yeah. of uh, a ton of great stories. But uh, on top of all that, he's hilarious. Uh, we haven't laughed this hard in a long time recording an episode. So uh, I yeah. think you guys are going to really enjoy this one. Yeah, Diamond Tim's the kind of guy that you listen to and you say, if I'd have met this guy any time in my life, we'd have been friends. Like you talk about, Friends hanging out, talking about rock and roll. I know that's how you're going to feel about Diamond Tim. He is so down to earth and so cool and has some amazing stories and a set of balls on this guy to do some of the stuff he does. I mean, I don't want to spoil it because it was so much fun. So if you guys are ready to kick off Christmas in July, the hottest month of the year, we're ready to do it too. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast, and this is Diamond Tim. I was uh, talking to my wife earlier, you know, and Fate Thomas, the sheriff, he was a sheriff here in Nashville for like 20 years and is a pretty legendary figure around here. And even my father-in-law, when he was young, was getting in a little trouble. Cross paths with <laughs> Fate Thomas. Fate Thomas gave him a good stern talking to oh, yeah. and gave him a little bit of a break. And the guy had never been in trouble after that. So it was pretty cool. To, it's a small world kind of thing like that where it's like this guy is so well known around here. But even, like you say, you know, everybody kind of would cross paths with each other in Nashville way back then. And even Fate my father. did the same thing uh, for uh, Waylon Jennings. And that's how they became best friends. And then they were inseparable. Uh, he, you know, he pretty much saved Waylon from a terrible fate. You know, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. He's done that for a lot of people. And... Uh, you know, he, he was a reflection of the old Nashville, kind of the old South, what, what, like the Dukes of Hazard, kind of like the boss hog, but he wasn't a little short fuck, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, was, he was bigger. I remember Jackie Gleason uh, coming to hang out for a few days just uh, with him, just to get a, a feel of how to behave. Uh, for Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, these are stories I heard. I didn't actually see that because my mom hadn't married him yet. But if you want to really uh, get a glimpse into to him, uh, there's a video that I had posted on YouTube when they did a little story at the end of NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw back in 1984, I believe it was, which is pretty cool. You know, it's like a little three, four minute segment so you can get a r little rough idea uh feel of nashville and what fate used to do and the power he had the fact that he had a a dead uh councilman elected because he didn't like the guy running against him <laughs> and the guy won wow <laughs> wow that's nashville from back yeah. in the day right yeah. there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's um, too funny it is pretty cool yeah, but you know, we wanted to focus on the uh, the kiss yeah. stuff uh, in your life, and uh, just uh, give a little backstory about how you got into the band, 
And uh, you, you told me on the phone the other night, you are the self-professed biggest Kiss fan in the world, or you were at the time. Yeah, well, you know, before the internet and everything, and you got friends, and, you know, I did I did a lot of traveling and stuff like that. And, and I mean, nobody had the stuff I had. I mean, nobody for years. I mean, you know, I sent you pictures of my room and stuff like that. Back in the 70s, I still haven't seen anybody who had a room like that back in the seventies. Now I see stuff, people showing off their stuff now that they, I mean, come on, how easy is it to collect his stuff now through eBay and whatnot. But back then, man, it was like a treasure hunt. I mean, you'd end up going, remember we'd go down to super X or something to (laughs) see the next magazine or even get the kiss Halloween costumes there you know, and then I'd go out of town and maybe go to a, there was this place called Lincoln Park and, and, uh, in Cape Cod that I used to go to. And, um, you know, you'd throw those darts at the balloons and I'd win a kiss mirror or, or those Mylar posters, Yeah, yeah. you know, and these are, are things that you just couldn't find anywhere else. And you bring them home, you know, and people go, Oh, where you get this? Or a buddy of mine would call me from a, a, a record store and say, Hey man, we got these kiss trash cans in. And they were only like five bucks. Now I look back and go, why didn't I buy the whole hoard? You know, <laughs> because yeah. I hear they like sell for like 500 each or something, you know? Uh, but anyway, when I was uh, in the mid seventies, you know, I was, totally into like just the average AM radio, Chicago, Glenn Campbell, sweet, uh, WMAK in Nashville, WLAC, you know, you had that little cigarette pack looking AM radio sitting next to the pool. (laughs) And, uh, I just remember, uh, hearing, hearing about kiss around that, that era and thinking, man, you know, and then seeing album covers going, God, these guys are weird, you know, but, but man, there was something that was just pulling me in, you know, that I couldn't look away. And the way I was raised, man, you know, my father at that time before fate was a Metro policeman and he was very Gestapo. You know, I mean, he made me get a haircut. That's why I will never get a haircut again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, he, uh, you know, he'd bring home country music stuff. He'd get RCA on Music Row and stuff for free. So I had all these Johnny Cash, Roy Acuff albums, you know, uh, that I'd play constantly, you know. So I know all about those. And hell, Jerry Reed lived about five miles away. And you'd, I'd see him all the time. You know, you'd see all these people around town. A lot. As a matter of fact, he ended up being Dolly Parton's bodyguard for a little while. So I'd sometimes go and see her and stuff. You know, she, I remember she gave me a one of those uh, dolls. It was a Dolly doll, and I was so embarrassed. You know, back then it was kind of uncool. I go, gee, thanks, thanks, Dolly. You know, and I hid it behind my back. You know, and uh, and I get home and I put it in a box and I and I I never pulled it out again. You know, because I didn't want nobody to see I had a doll. You know, <laughs> that's another reason why I didn't get those Kiss dolls, man. I thought they were kind of cheap. They look. Yeah. They, first of all, they were dolls. Yeah. They weren't GI Joe looking. 
they were dolls, man. And, and, and they were cheap looking. And I was like, man, these are lame. I'm not going to get these. Now, of course, you wish you got them because they're worth, you know, a house. And uh, but anyway, you know, I started uh, I, I really started getting into them. And I remember I was at a Spencer's Gifts. And, you know, you go through those posters because I was buying Farrah posters of beer busts or better and, <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. that was uh, really cool at the time. And I saw uh, uh, that Kiss Spirit of 76 poster. And I yeah. said, uh, okay, I'm getting that. And if you, there's a picture I've got of me and my buddy Jeff Weaver, and we're standing in, fr- in, in, in my room about that time. And then a year later, it's like that, it was like a weed and it totally spread throughout my bedroom and it enveloped the ceilings and everything was kissed. There was nothing left. Nice. It was pure 100% <laughs> all kiss, you know? Awesome. So, yeah. So that, you know, then I was a kiss nut and everything was kissed and that's all I ever talked about. I probably lost friends, you know, you know, girl you know everything you know you everybody knew you is we know kiss nerd we know. and i didn't care i didn't care you know if you didn't like kiss then you were a goof you know and then people would always get into fights you know man kiss sucks man neil perk peter chris away no he don't you know, but of course he does. <laughs> but, <laughs> and back then, you know, you'd be like, hell, man, you know, and then you'd be reasonable, you know. Hey, man, come on. I know that Peter couldn't play Spirit of the Radio, but Neil, he can't play 100,000 years. So, hey, come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can always reason things. <laughs> I should tell him my uh, story about going to see Rush a few years ago. Oh. Speaking of that, oh, yeah? I went. I, I went with some friends to see Rush, and we had really good seats. So we're in the middle of all these diehard Rush fans, and you know how Rush nowadays, or back at the end of their career, would do like a, an intermission during their set. So we watched the first act. They go to intermission, and my friend who bought the ticket, who's a diehard Rush fan, he's like six seats down. So he leans up and he goes, "Hey, Chris, what'd you think?" Because I was just getting into Rush, really. And I just said as loud as I could to piss people off. I was like, that drummer is really good. He's no Peter Chris, but he's pretty good. <laughs> and all these heads immediately, oh, like, turned and gave me the stink God. eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was oh, like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. Then, uh, you know, around... Uh, December of 1980, you know, I had to uh, pretty much tear my room down because I was going to go off to college in Atlanta. So I took some pictures of my room, you know, before I took it down. You know, you did that thing where you take like, like, uh, you know, five or six pictures all close together and try to puzzle them in to make a bigger picture. Yeah. And uh, that's the best you could do. You couldn't really do a whole panoramic you know, view of the whole room. And I wish I had, you know, more film where I could have done more, more, but I tried to throw all my magazines on the bed and and everything like that, but you just couldn't get it all in. So I did the best I could and took a picture of that. I took everything down 
and put it away. And then uh, I took a lot of it with me because I couldn't, I couldn't be without it. You know, I had to put some of it up into my new room in Atlanta. But, but of course, by then I was really getting into Hart and Van Halen. So they would kind of uh, end up being on another, they would have their own wall. <laughs> and then the Kiss would get probably the three other walls, you know. And right. uh, so I got down to Atlanta and, and started going to school there. You know, of course, you go to a new city and you really don't know anybody and it's kind of lonely. And, uh, you know, you're really homesick. I had a real good friend of mine who was supposed to go with me and he chickened out the night before. I, I couldn't believe it. The cars were all packed and everything. And he chickened out and said, man, I, I, I can't do it. I can't go. And I was like, like at a crossroads. I'm going, what am I going to do? And I just had to get tough and say, man, I, I got to go. You know, on yeah. those first two nights, you know, they were tough. But, you know, I, I toughed it out and went on. But uh, there was a ad in the, uh, you know, in Circus Magazine. Uh, I, I used to get to all the Circus Magazines because that's where all the Kiss stuff was. And it had like pen pal ads. And there was this ad that says, all Kiss fans write this guy, you know, and his name was Peter Arquette. So I wrote him. And him and I hooked up and we became like really, really close friends. And we'd write back and forth and everything like that. And that summer, I decided to go up to where he was living in Washington or Arlington, Virginia, I believe. And uh, because my relatives lived in Cape Cod and Boston area. And uh, so we decided I'll pick you up in Arlington and then we'll drive through New York City and try to find kiss spots, you know, like the hotel diplomat and nice and, and stuff like that, which, which I did. And I ended up nice. going in there and taking pictures of the old stage and nice. getting oh, wow. matchbooks and, you wow. know, a bunch of stuff like that. I can't find those damn matchbooks. Now I've looked everywhere, but I do have pictures of the old stage, even though they're kind of, I didn't set the light meters, right. You know, I didn't have a flash. But there's, I could still, you can still make it out. But uh, then we decided we really didn't have that much money. So we, we pulled the car into the park right there at the point of Manhattan. And I remember that morning, uh, uh, we're hearing a tap on the glass, you know, that. <laughs> and it was a New York City cop waking us up. To, what the hell are you boys doing here? You know? And I lost my driver's license too. Oh, and he let us go. And we went on to, uh, where's that? Uh, where did Ace live? We went to Wilton, Connecticut, and we, we knew that he lived on Tito Lane. Mm -hmm. So we found it. And his cars were all up there. We saw the dogs. And so we, we rang his door and everything. And somebody answered, but course nobody's gonna let us in so right. we wrote a big letter and taped it to the gate and uh I, I i had a coors beer in the car i said i'm gonna put that on there as a peace offering i taped a coors beer to his gate <laughs> swear to god and i and a picture i took of him in, on in the dynasty uh thing and then on the then i wrote a big letter you know and uh and we left it there on his gate i can just imagine him coming down there just <laughs> 
I was that son of a bitch. God damn it. <laughs> Stupid kids leaving, uh, you know. But I do wonder, did he drink that Gore's beer while he was <laughs> going back to the house while he was looking through his mail? Well, and he also, he did live on Tito Lane because, as we know, Tito is the king of the street. <laughs> And, uh, you know, what's funny, they had just put up a new Tito Lane sign, and the old one was still standing nearby, so I tore it down. And I still have it to this day. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a white wooden sign, and and you can't really tell it says Tito. It's like three lines down and a big O, you know? (laughs) Wow. But I still have it. I still have that sign to this day. Wow. But, yeah, it was great. We we ended up sleeping in some church parking lot in Wilton and Yeah, so but before you moved to Atlanta though, you you did go to the Dynasty show in Nashville for your first show and but you've got a a story about a a, a letter uh, from Paul Stanley. You want to tell that? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we were looking forward to that Dynasty show. You know, everybody was I mean, counting the days. And the thing was, I mean, like I said, I got into KISS the summer of 76, but every goddamn time they'd come to town or wouldn't come to town, I'd be out of town, like up north. And if they were coming up north, I'd be back home. So I never could match the times that they would be in Nashville if they were. I mean, they really didn't come except for like, the destroyer tour. I think they came to Nashville and, uh, I, I think, I don't, I don't know. I think I was too young or something. My first show was the runaways, uh, in 1970 in February of 78 in Atlanta. Wow. Uh, the, uh, so the, the dynasty show was the next one that we could possibly go to. Anyway, me and my buddy, David Lister, uh, we're going to, go down to the municipal auditorium and sneak in and wait for kiss to come in. Well, we snuck in at about six in the morning and it got to be seven. Then eight. we're sitting there laying in the cheap seats and popcorn and soda, sticky soda, you know, go, man, nobody's coming. All they're just putting up the stage, you know? And, uh, and we got out of there and everything, but I, I had a painting I had done previously to that in art class of Paul. And on the back of the painting, I just wrote this massive letter about hanging out. Maybe we could be buddies and hang out. Every time you come to Nashville, you know, we could do stuff. You know, people let me tell you about my best. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) you envision all these crazy things, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Right. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) Um, I, you know, we wrote this letter and everything like that on the back of it. And then, so we went to, uh, the local Casablanca office. They had one in Nashville. Oh, wow. Um, It was called Casablanca West or no, no South or something. I don't know. It's Casablanca something else. And, uh, uh, this guy named Wade Conklin was in charge of it. And he lived in my neighborhood, too. He knew I was a big Kiss fan. I gave him a Dynasty album to at least have signed, but we begged him, would he help us so we could meet him? And he made all these promises that really didn't happen. But he did give me that uh, autograph, and he told me where they'd be. 
and they were going to go to the radio station, uh, which was like Rock 106 or WLAC or something like that. So me and David Lister and Jeff Weaver uh, drove down there before they got there. And I had we had walkie talkies. Uh, I had uh, everybody go to different locations. We had cameras and everything. And we were going to snap pictures of them unmasked and whatnot. And here comes the limo. We started snapping pictures. And, you know, we're barely hearing each other. We're all excited. I, I keep it down. Keep it down. They're going to hear them. They're going to hear us. You know, and uh, they're getting out of the car and everything. And, and we can't we can't snap anything because we're afraid they're going to grab us, you know. Uh, big John Hart's going to run over there and, and crack yeah. our camera open. And, you know, <laughs> we're never going to get to the show or anything. We're trying to weigh out our options. And uh, so we never got any pictures of them without their makeup. It was uh, Ace and Gene who went in. Um, so they, they come out and I was able to give them my painting as they were walking out and told them to give it to Paul. And so we followed them to the uh, uh, hotel they were staying at, Spence Banner, Spence Banner. Yeah. Okay. So they pull into the thing and they get out and I go, hey, don't forget to give Paul my painting. <laughs> and, and, and Gene, and they're, they're holding it up and shaking their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Relax, pal. You know, for the love of God. And so we drove <laughs> off thinking, well, that's that, you know, we tried, you know, but it was fun. We had, we had a good day and, uh, we went, we went to, uh, down to municipal. And, uh, since my father was a cop, at least we were able to get in about five minutes before they let the general public in. So I was able to get to front row center Nice. and uh, there's some like Nashville, uh, uh, you know, channel four thing where they're talking about kids and you could see me on the news thing. You know, it's when right when they're talking about the Kiss concert resembles much like a Donnie and Marie uh, outing, you know, and I'm and I'm like, yeah, go rock on, yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, but I do look pretty preppy back then, you know, and uh, you know my feathered short hair back and everything, but it was great. I was on the front row and got a lot of pics and. Uh, you know, got a uh, Paul towel and a Gene towel, and I got a piece of the guitar, uh, like a, the piece of the pick guard. And, uh, and so anyway, it was the greatest concert ever. And uh, I think it was, uh, it was definitely a sold out dynasty show. Okay. Uh, one of the few sold out shows of that tour, but it was sold out big time in Nashville. Nashville always loved this. Yeah always nice. that i mean they're like they should be D detroit you know in my mm. book anyway and um and so that was that so fast forward about a week and i'm over at my buddy david's house and i um i call i call uh home or my mom or something and my mom says i got a letter in the mail you know and i'm asking her to describe the handwriting you know <laughs> And she don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So we run over there and then I see this letter and I go, my God, that, 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 that's Paul Stanley's handwriting for the love of God. And, and, and we are, we're holding it and go, are we going to open this or what? I, I don't know. You know, and we're trying to figure out how to open it. Like, like it's got some 
DNA on it. You know, and that was before DNA. We don't know. You know, we don't want to ruin anything. You know, and uh, oh, like this. We, we crack it open very carefully and open it. I don't know if I put some gloves on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and sit there and open it very carefully. Jesus God, look, look. And, uh, you know, and, and it's a letter from Paul and wow. pretty much saying, hey, man, thanks for your painting. It was awesome. He goes, I can see you got a lot of talent. How I, and, and man, I'd really love to hang out with you, man. But, you know, my schedule's much too busy to hang out with you commoners. So <laughs> I didn't really say it like that, but. But, I, you know, I, I understood. I mean, but a letter for him to take the time, even to, to write my address on the envelope, you'd think you'd have somebody do that for him. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at the picture right now, and, you know, your last name begins with a P, and it, you can tell it's totally the way Paul does his and P. If you look at my autograph for this day, it's a copy of Paul's. That's yeah. how much I thought about him. I tried oh. to make my, my autograph. You know, in high school, you'd sit there while you'd be in math class going, you know, just pretending to write your autograph because, yeah, hell, yeah. Back, back when we were kids, our autograph or our signature was cursive handwriting, Yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm like, man, I don't want this to be my autograph when I'm a big star. And I go, Look <laughs> at Paul Stanley's autograph, man. I want mine like his. Now, what can I do? You know, there's a P and I got a P in my name. Let's go. Let's figure this out. And then I, I it took me a long time, but mine's mine's a clone of Paul's. I even put the star at the end of mine, too. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. I love that story. Yeah, it's awesome that he took the time. So you must have had your address on the back of the painting then, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. I probably had everything, my phone number and everything. You know, we didn't have an email address or nothing. That's why I was thinking if he got my painting, the only way he can reach me is by my address or phone number. Right. That's yeah. why I would call mom going, could Paul have written me back? You know, for so for days, you're thinking, okay, maybe today's the day. So uh, we were kind of expecting uh, an answer. Even though in the back of our minds, he's never going to answer. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. And he answered. Man, it, it, that's the coolest thing to happen to a mega Kiss fan in the 70s. Yeah. yeah. It, it validated everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You go, you know, getting punched in the stomach uh, last year. <laughs> was worth it <laughs> you know when i got into an argument with billy bob about uh you know when he said kiss sucks i go your mother sucks oh yeah <laughs> Paul Stanley, you better write me a letter one day <laughs> and he did yeah that's awesome and he did I'll never forget it. It was the greatest thing in the world because they don't have to do nothing for you. You know, no. they really don't, especially back then when they were young and carefree. Of course, you get older and wiser as the years go on and they want to do for their fans as they have been doing, you know, but back then, man, I mean, little things like that. Damn, that was the coolest thing ever. But I mean, so that that was seventy nine, and then they come back in uh, eighty three for the the Creatures of the Night tour. 
and um and an amazing photo of you backstage with the whole band so can you tell us how that came about well that remember that bedroom shot i I told you about at the end of the 80s before i moved to atlanta uh, i had taken that and i had glued it to like this little cardboard thing then the girl that girl sue that i was telling you about that we became very friendly who was doing the uh pen pal thing with peter that her and i started talking you know yeah. uh she had come to spend a summer with me in 82 and uh i had this my roommate take a picture of her laying in the bed in her bikini with her back to him and then i'd take her top and hold it in my hand and then i had uh, like uh i was in like my underwear and uh and uh uh a bathrobe and i was kind of sitting there like david lee roth you know holding the bikini top in my hand like i was the baddest ass mofo in in the world and uh and then with the kiss stuff all behind me so it really was cool you know and and i said all right this is the shot you know so i then i took that shot and i stuck it on that cardboard thing and then you wrap it in saran wrap and then i've got this little art piece here of the ultimate kiss fan right so they were coming to nashville at the beginning of january of 83 for the 10th anniversary tour or creatures of the night tour and the night before they're going to be in chattanooga and i said hell i can't wait i'm going down to chattanooga and I was uh, kind of messing around with this girl, Connie. And, uh, and I said, hey, will you go with me? And, and, uh, and she, of course, said yes. And, uh, and so we went down to Chattanooga and we went and hung around the backstage, me and Connie. And I, of course, saw John Hart and recognized him immediately. And, you know, he had that scowl. He doesn't say he didn't say much. And uh, and I ran over to him and, and said, would you do me a favor and give this to somebody back there, please? And I gave him the picture and he did. And he took it back. And I was thinking, well, nothing's going to really happen. Somebody's going to get it. And I'm telling you, five minutes later, he comes out with uh, two backstage passes. Right. And he goes, follow me. Nice. And we go, OK. So we start following John Hart back behind the UTC arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1983. We go inside the back way and we see this long table, this long elder table. (laughs) And at the head of the table, we see the back of this giant man with the black long hair. And I'm thinking, oh my sweet, sweet God, this is Gene fucking Sabbath. <laughs> right? <laughs> and and he's bringing us over to him and he's sitting there eating. And he brings us over to Gene. I really like this picture. You must be the biggest Kiss fan ever. And, wow. uh, and, and I mean, he goes, the, this picture is amazing. I really like this one on the right. You know, the one I added with a uh, Sue, you know, <laughs> where I'm holding her top. And I said, well, I, I knew somebody would appreciate that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Especially you. I knew you had great taste. And, uh, and he goes, speaking of taste, do you want something to eat? <laughs> Yes, I'll have a, uh, I'll have something to eat if you don't mind. No, I can't remember what I said, of course. And uh, but anyway, I do remember having a plate in front of me, 
and uh, you know, he was eating and we were sitting there just talking about just stuff. Of course, I can't remember to this day all that we conversed about for the next 30 minutes, but he had my full attention and I had his full attention and he treated me like, I, I mean, like, like a son, like, like wow. the, he was the nicest person in the history of the world. He was to me that day in January of 1983, he was so good to me and so nice. And, and he, and, and at the end he said, I've got to get ready now, but you can just sit here and relax and have whatever you want. And we'll be out in a little while, you know, and, uh, and, and, and yes, sir. Of course. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, uh, three bags full, sir. Can I do anything else for me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, uh, sweet he goes off he goes off and uh and that's it well they come out about what 45 minutes an hour later in their full garb you know yeah. they're creatures of the night garb and you know I, i'm just sitting there now connie uh is uh, you know she she didn't care as much as me uh the girl who i brought and uh uh but i had a pocket and stomatic you know those 110 cameras flat you know i think oh, it was yeah. in my crotch area because i i had it ready to pull out in case i was going into the arena and you only had about two or three flash bars i had to stick them in the crack of my <laughs> <laughs> where am i gonna put these where they can't find them for the love of god and uh so Anyway, you know, there's pit, there's uh, press taking pictures of them over near a wall. Entertainment Tonight was there, and they did oh, a yeah? little thing of them. That's on YouTube. It was done at Chattanooga. You know, well, you might worship the devil. Oh, was that there? <laughs> yeah, Entertainment Tonight. It's a little short thing. And, and then I see Gene. You know, I'm about 20 yards away. And he's looking over at my direction and he's got his arm up and he's waving over like this, you know, waving me over. And I'm looking like, who the hell is he talking to? I'm looking behind me and everything. And then I'm, I swear to God, I'm like, me, you know, <laughs> you want me? <laughs> and, and then I have to do this maneuver where I reach in my butt and my crotch and grime without anybody seeing this maneuver. And then I call over to Connie, Connie, get over here for the God's sakes. And then uh, she comes over, I hand her this and I go, take a picture of me and kiss. And you better get this right. Yeah. One time. It's not like, you know, because if they, if she messes up, I've got a blurred picture or a half a foot, you know, or a, or, you know, heads, you know, our heads are chopped off or something. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I get over there and, and, and I get in the middle and I'm like, this is amazing. But, you know, there was press there taking photos to this day. I have not found any other photo, you know, except for the one picture that Connie happened to snap and she snapped right. I, yeah. You know, I, I, if I want to complain, I could say, you could have tilted the picture down just a hair to capture their boots, Connie. But I didn't I didn't say that. But when I got, <laughs> I, when I got there, I put my arms around them and I said, 
And I looked at everybody and I said, Gene, stick your tongue out, stick your tongue out in my picture. You know, and Gene stuck his tongue out. I mean, Vinny did his little pose with his hands and, you know, Paul did his lips and, you know, Eric did whatever it is Eric does. Smile. <laughs> nothing like Peter, you know, but for some reason it's them. And uh, and the picture turned out pretty good for a yeah. pocket instamatic 110 one shot deal, you know. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, it was heaven. And uh, so anyway, I told Paul that night, you know. I said, man, if there's one thing I want more than anything in the world is that when you break the guitar on stage, I want that damn guitar. Yeah. When you throw it out to the audience, you go, well, you gotta, you gotta be in the right spot, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and, and he, but I will, if I see you somewhere around, I'll put it, I'll throw it in your area. And I, I got, you know, near the front row, I was able to weasel myself out there, even though there were people already out there, of course, uh, because I was still backstage while Night Ranger was still playing. And uh, so I went out, out there after all this great stuff happened. And, uh, and when Paul came out and busted that Gibson Marauder, you know, he took the neck and he threw it to one area and then he grabbed the body and he, he, I guess he must have seen me. He threw it right at me, and this swarm of people just, <laughs> just imploded on me. Yeah. And I said, and I got, I got a piece of it, and I said, there is no way anybody is going to get this from my kung fu grip. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> and, and I got this thing, and I, I had blood all over me from the screw marks that cut my arms and stuff. Yeah. And I was covered in sweat, and the, the confetti stuck to the sweat. So I'm covered in blood, confetti, but I got that guitar. I got it, and I got it to this day. And, and, and 10 years later, I got him to sign it at the, at the Revenge Club Tour. You know, nice. which was which is kind of made it. You know, it did the whole 180. You know, it, you know where I could display it or something. You know, if I wanted to. Heck yeah! So it was a great night. When I drove from Chattanooga home to Nashville that night, I was so worried we we're going to get pulled over. You know, because I was covered in confetti and blood. <laughs> How do you explain that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> be pulled over, you know, telling the law, we're, we're being chased by John Wayne Gacy, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> this clown, man, he threw confetti on us. <laughs> right. Hey, uh, another photo you did share with us was the, um, you're, it looks like you're, you, you broke the door from the elder. What's the story with that? Yeah. <laughs> You know, if I could go back and retake that picture, I would have made a cool face like, I'm going to rip the handle off this door face. You know, that kind of face like, yeah, I'll rip this gold knob knocker off this door, you know. But the truth is, it was already broken. And uh, the fact that Dennis Wallach, who was the uh, art director over at Howard Marks Advertising next door to a coin management in New York City, um, Sue and I had traveled up there and did another tour of New York where we went to a coin management 
in uh, like 82 or 83, uh, something like that. And uh, we went up there and Dennis was there and, and we met Dennis and, and he treated, <laughs> Dennis treated us like, like relatives. And uh, the Love Gun painting, the Destroyer painting, they were all there. Those old Kiss marionettes, which I didn't take a picture of and I could shoot myself in the face. Uh, but I did, I got a picture of me in front of the Love Gun painting. Uh, Dennis had a Polaroid there. That's right. We didn't have any more film in our camera back then, man. It was expensive. Yeah. We, you know, we're trying to just make, have enough money for gas and hotels and everything. And I think I, we already took it too many pictures already, but Dennis had a Polaroid camera there. And Dennis says, I'll take some pictures of you guys. And Dennis took a picture of me in front of the, uh, Love Gun uh, painting, and then he said, man, let me show you something. We went to this room where a bunch of old Kiss stuff is, and in the back, sitting there leaning against the wall, was this piece of wood that was used as the cover for the elder. It was just a, yeah, it wasn't, it was a thing made up to look like a door. You know, a lot like of people prop. think the wow. elder was a real door. It wasn't a yeah. real door. That well, was it. That. And the, the the knocker was like a piece of styrofoam that was spray painted gold wow. and wired into the little thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And but it was so delicate that it had fallen apart, you know, after a couple of years sitting in the back stock room. I think I asked, man, can I have this? You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let you have that. And now wow. they've lost it. Of course, I bet he wishes he had given it to me because I'd have taken better care of it. Yeah. But uh, but he took a picture of me. So I'm like, do it. Take a picture of me, like like the hand is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like I, I felt like Floyd from Andy Griffith. Eh, eh, take it. Take a picture of me, Andy, in front of the elder knocker, and. Uh, <laughs> And I'll just hold my hand up there very gently, you know. But see, looking back, since it was broken, I should have made a face like, you know, like a, some sort of mad metal guy. Like, I ripped it off its hinges, you know. But yeah. So I heard it. I am. I heard I am just a boy and it made me so angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Or Mr. Black turned into Mr. Blackwell. You know, I wasn't well. <laughs> That's wild. I I never knew that. I always thought it was a real door on like a church in New York or something. And at the Kiss Museum here in Vegas at the at the Rio, they've got a door there with a knocker and people get their pictures taken in front of it. But it's just a, you know, it's just a made up thing. And then I've read where they say they show a church in New York City. Here was the, but, you know, they could say the inspiration maybe. But the real thing was made up by Dennis Wallach. And he'll tell wow. you exactly what I, what I said, you know, but he was so kind to us. The, the man even sent me a, uh, a Christmas card that year. Wow. That's how good these people are so you guys just showed up there and they we just said, showed up just showed up there and when we left guess who was going down the elevator with us the band new england 
Oh, yeah. I mean, what are the odds? And they had a box of guitar picks. You want some picks? And he just handed us picks. Nice. You know, it was John Fannin and, uh, uh, you know, one of the other guys. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm like, this is amazing, you know. So, yeah, we just happened to show up at the right time. Well, that kind of stuff was just that was just of its time. That yeah. that was when you could get away with stuff like that. That's you could never get away with anything no, like that. No, no, you can't. You can't. And and that's why, you know, you kind of bring that up. That's why the picture of me with them, you know, at, at, at in Chattanooga that Connie took on the Pocket Instamatic 110 is so much more relevant than a professional picture that would be taken now that you have to pay what? What? What is it? Five hundred, a thousand dollars for? What are they charging? It's it, it could be thousands depending on what. And they don't care who you are. Next, no. Next, next. Uh, Back then, man. I mean, they actually cared about me. Hey, man, this guy's a super fan. Let's treat him good, you know. And I mean, it, it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, it's like everything that I did paid off. Finally, it paid off, you know. But uh, as time went on, you know, they, I don't know, they, uh, they weren't like that anymore, you know, especially the next year. I got my stepfather, Faith, the sheriff, he had this really neat thing about giving big stars this thing called the key to the city jail instead oh, of the wow. key to the city like the mayor does. Yeah. He gave the key to the city jail which in Nashville was really a bigger deal. So I said, man, can we give Kiss the key to the city jail? And, 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 and he had it, you know, he said, yeah. So we had it all set up for, uh, in 1985, I can't remember the date, uh, the, the November, uh, of 1985. Uh, what tour was that? That's a asylum. Asylum. And they uh, came and uh, and they knew that they were going to get the key to the city jail presented to them by the high sheriff. But Faye had kind of double book things uh, and he wanted to go to this Tennessee Vols game in Knoxville really bad. So he says, here, you, Diamond, here, you do it. You, you give it to him. And, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, you know, here comes this, you know, hippie young fan you know because i had he let me keep my long hair back then uh you know i didn't even have to stuff it in a hat you know and uh i guess and gene was kind of pissed that the sheriff wasn't coming there to present it to him and after this uh photo thing they did they did this a uh, photo session which appeared in like a hit parader and stuff like that, like a centerfold and stuff. Cause I found pictures similar to that, that session. Uh, yeah. Gene and uh, didn't show up. And the only one who showed up was Paul when I was, when I was uh, given the, uh, the award. Mm. Yeah. So I, my, my feelings were, were, were really hurt. Also, I found out that he, he knew who I was and at that time, there was this other Tim. This is another reason I go by Diamond. There was this other Tim, okay? And this goes back to back in that day, who 
was a big Kiss fan and he was from like Cincinnati or or Cleveland or something. He was a big Kiss fan and he got his feelings hurt or got upset about something and renounced them. And he renounced them on Circus Magazine in the same little things I found Peter Arquette in, right? Hmm. And I guess Gene read it. He must have read it. And Gene got that Tim confused with this Tim. Oh, shit. Thinking I was the Tim that doubled that, 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 uh, had, had renounced them. I go, Hey, that I, I, I wasn't me. I'm not that Tim. That's some Tim other guy. It began with a K. I can't remember Kotsky or something like that. So it wasn't me. I don't even know this guy, you know? But I mean, I, 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 I was miserable. I was miserable because, you know, I thought these are my buddies. Yeah. You know, so it, it was so disheartening and everything like that. But but when you, you know, get to talk to Paul and present him with that key, does he remember you from your previous oh, yeah. meetings? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Right, and right Paul on. treated me wonderful. It, 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 you know, it's like they didn't communicate about this at all. Paul treated me great it's like uh it's gene is the one who kind of turned his back on me you know because uh because after that chattanooga show uh of the creatures tour before you know when i was coming back covered in the confetti and the sweat and everything with my broken uh, marauder you know that next night i went to see them in nashville they had passes waiting for me they said bring chicks everything you want Charlene uh, Tilton of Dallas was back there and everything. And I went to the show and I was treated like, like a king and it was awesome. And, uh, you know, everything was grand. And I thought, that, man, this is the way it's going to be forever. You know, it, it, it was great, man. So, you know, Gene was sitting there. He was walking around backstage balancing drum, drum, drum heads on his nose. I remember him just doing that. He was something new he was into. He'd say, Hey everybody, look at me. And he'd balance drum heads on his nose. You know? And everybody'd be like, hey. <laughs> look at that. You know. That's <laughs> so um it everything, you know, it was just great. And then then of course, after the uh I got him to Keat City Jail. It, uh, Gene was never the same to me after that, you know, but Paul now was a different story. He always stayed true, true blue. Yeah. So, and be, you, you told me the other night, you, you also gave the key to the city jail to Peter Chris around that time too. Can you tell us, tell us about that? We have this thing in Nashville called one for the sun where they yeah. played on a floating stage in Hermitage landing on the lake there. And, uh, and they gave, I was on stage. We presented it on stage in front of everybody. It was when Peter Chris unmasked for the first time and everything like that. And uh, we gave him like this, the, uh, this clock. <laughs> I don't know, remember what that was all about, but we gave him the key to the city jail. And he was in Nashville for qu- quite a while with some guy named Stan. Yeah, Stan Penrith. Yeah, and uh, another guy. And, uh, but we went fishing. I remember us going fishing and uh uh and he was there for quite a while and it was awesome. 
What was he like in, in those days? Peter, down to earth, yeah. like just a regular guy. I mean, I'm thinking this is beautiful. As I'm sitting there in the boat casting, this is, I, I'm in a fucking boat. And of course, back then, <laughs> I didn't even think about bringing a camera while we're fishing. It's just, it's just back then, you just didn't, you didn't have the damn camera all the time. Right. Yeah. And especially in things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. People have cameras with them all the time. They're like, how could you not be with a camera? Back then, you didn't have a camera with you all the right. time. You know? I wish I did back in the 70s and stuff like that. I got so many stories growing up in Nashville around country music stars. I could, oh, if I had a camera this day or that day. You don't. You People, you just have to tell your story. People have to take your word for it. That's it. But yeah. unfortunately for me, all my Kiss stories or all my most of my rock and roll stories, hell, I've got... I've got shit to back everything up. I guess that's why y'all are talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was really great. Yeah, that was uh, in the summer of 84. Ten years later, Peter Arquette is running this uh, KISS festival in Orlando. I'm living in L.A. He calls me up. He goes, hey, Diamond, listen, we got Peter Chris as our special guest. And I can't think of anybody better to interview him than you. Nice. And I and I said, you got to be kidding me. And so uh, he, he flies me out to Orlando and I interview. Uh, that's right. I interview Ace Frehley in 93. And that went fantastic. So the next year they had Peter Chris in 94 and I interviewed him. So I got to interview both Ace uh, in 93 and Peter in 94 in Orlando at the kiss conventions, uh, you know, on this table in front of all these fans, yeah. I think, uh, both of them are on YouTube. Sweet. Yeah. I've watched both of them. Yeah. I think they're clips and stuff like that. One of my favorite is where uh, Peter's talking, you know, and he's ta- talking about, uh, how the, they met this one chick in Prague where she had the whole band's tat- tattooed on her back. And said, I hate to see her, what she's going to look like when she's 60. And I said, yeah, Gene's tongue will be real long then. (laughs) 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 And the whole crowd goes crazy, you know. That's awesome. When we did did Ace, of course, I kept on doing my Tom Snyder impersonation, you know. Uh, Would you care to tell us what you were doing uh, last night at at 4 o'clock in the morning? You know, and all this stuff. And, you know, Ace would look at me like, man, this guy's crazy, you know. So, but it went, it went well. You know, I was nervous, but it worked out. It worked out great. I was going to ask if you were nervous, but, you know, being like a super Kiss fan, do you, are you, when you find out you're going to be doing these interviews, are you, do you have a plan going into it or are you just winging it or what's, how do you, how do you tackle it? It's better just to wing it. Besides uh, I did, I did have loose plans in my head. And then when I get there, those plans are moot because yeah. they have other, they're the, they're the promoters and they right. have other plans. They said, look, we're going to have people write questions on cards and then they're going to send up the cards and you read questions from these cards, you know, Okay. And uh, and so that's what I did for for one of them, and for the other it was something else. But I would interject things in there on my own or embellish things on my own, 
you know, to make it more. Peter, of course, when you're interviewing him, you feel more comfortable with Ace. I was just, you know, I felt like Chris Farley, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, man, you remember that time when you. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I was sitting right next to Ace the whole time when everybody comes by to autograph their crap, you know. And then I, we would just sit there and just do small talk so we'd have somebody to talk to while he's autographing their stuff. You know? Yeah. But that was kind of Aaron got to do this. Aaron got to do the same thing a few years ago with yeah, it. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, where else you want to be? You know? Right. But I, I remember them, you know, haggling about, you know, where's my money? I remember us being in Ace's uh, hotel room, you know. And him wanting his money up front and cash. Oh boy. Um, I kind of <laughs> learned things, you know, how he is like off the limelight, you know. And uh, I had one of those old <laughs> Honda Kiss mobiles. And uh, uh, no, Honda Kiss mobile poster, I, I should say, uh, that are very rare. And I, I used to get, try to get you know, the members to sign that poster. I think I sent you a couple copies where Gene signed it and Vinny signed it, but everybody signed it, but their autographs look crappy, you know, like uh, Peter's because I had no background to put it on. He almost had to sign it in midair, you know, without any backing to keep it flat surfaced. Mm. So it looks like, man, and you want to go, Come on, Peter. That looks like shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do it. You go, Thanks, Peter. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. You stupid bastard. <laughs> my poster. Look how cool Paul's autograph is, man. And look at yours. Looks like a little girl, man. But, uh, I don't think he would have reacted well enough if you did that. And I couldn't have said it that way, you know? No. So. I'm, What's this motherfucker thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's the last time you ever go fishing with the cat man that's right. that's right that's right i remember you know Vinny, like when i just mentioned uh vinnie for instance uh you know he had signed that poster and he wrote like this big long thing yeah after that nashville uh show in 83 the uh the creatures tour i went back uh, I got to hear the full out now. I went back to the hotel room with Vinny Vincent. I went. Oh boy! I'm going. Well, I don't know things. I just, <laughs> I'm just a mega fan, and here Vinny says, "Hey, you, you, you know, you want to come back to the uh, hotel with us?" Hell yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, so I go back to the hotel with them. You know, to the Spence Manor. And, uh, you know, we're going up there and I, and I have, and Paul's in the hallway too. And I brought my, uh, my Honda kiss mobile poster and I had Paul sign it and he signed it up against the wall right there in the hallway. And then we walked, went into Vinny's room and Vinny, I swear to God, let me, uh, stand there and in, on the, uh, under the doorway in the bathroom while he took off all the makeup. Cause he still had his makeup on and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I get to watch a kiss member take his makeup off. Yeah. You know, that is cool. And Why? then after that, I, I, you know, I kind of started feeling a little uncomfortable, 
So, because I'm like, from there, okay, where do we go from here? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, all right. Well, listen, I got to go home. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I don't remember, uh, you know, everything else. I do remember a lot of people hanging out in the lobby. And, and then here I come walking down, you know, like a badass. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but I, I thought that was cool. And of course, but Vinny was so nice to me. I got to say, you know, I know he's become uh, crazy and, uh, yeah. and and very strange, you know, and uh, all I can talk about is that period in time where he was very nice and very cool. Now, he was a new member of KISS, so I'm sure he wants right. to be cool to his fans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he he wrote me a letter. I, I sent you that, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, they I had moved down to Florida on the time when they came out with Lick It Up. And I go to the Sportatorium in Miami. The Snortatorium? Sport, the, yeah, the Snortatorium. You got the <laughs> lingo. Or the Swampatorium, but I like Snortatorium. And, uh, and, and, and I got passes through Vinny and... Uh, and he was there and I got that picture and, and, and saw him and saw the rest of the guys. And, uh, I took some, I got, I was on the front row and this time I brought a better camera. I took better pictures because I was going to use it for, for art class, uh, or photography class. Cause I was going to art school down there. And, uh, so I took some really good pictures of that lick it up tour on that particular show. And, uh, and then I remember them coming back to play the Sunrise Theater, and I went to go see them there. So, really, the following tours, I'd always get a pass. And, you know, my extent of hanging out or seeing them was never equal to the early 80s. But it would I would always get a, hey, man, hi, how you doing, uh, and response, you know, uh, and always treated very well and respectfully. And the, as the as time went on, you know, it all all those things worked out that way. So, you know, it was all cool. On the on the revenge tour, about that time, I was working for MCA Records, and we were promoting uh, some record from Trickster. And I was in Atlanta, and I was backstage because of Trickster because uh, I was a represent I was representing MCA. Uh, uni distribution in Norcross, Georgia. So I was kind of doing work uh, in while I was at a KISS concert. Great White was there too. So I saw them, you know, so all that stuff kind of works out that way. And I think after that, the next time I would see them would be that uh, KROQ weenie roast that they do in California. Yeah. Yeah. The warm up show for the reunion. And where the stage caught fire. Yeah. And they had them big blow up balloons of each member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest thing, too. That must have been wild being there in person for that because, you know, so many years had passed. Yeah. And they looked good. You know, they, they didn't look old yet through the makeup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, after a while, you go, ah, they don't look as good as they did when they wore last the makeup last. But right then, they were just on the cusp of where they were still looking good through that clown white, you know. Yeah. And uh, maybe it was maybe I was just a little too far away, and maybe I, 
I had a couple of more Bud Lights than I thought. <laughs> when we could enjoy a good Bud Light yeah. <laughs> without any controversy. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah, so that was cool. And then, oh, uh, and then later on, around August, they played the LA Forum. It was on Gene's birthday. I went there. It was also the 25th anniversary of Alive 2. So that was kind of cool, being in the Forum 25 years later on Gene's birthday. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you something cool. All right, so I had to go use the bathroom. I'm in the stands for that, okay? And I go, all right, guy, I'll be right back. I was with my buddy Derek. And I go, I'll be right back. And I go on upstairs into the hallway up there. And, you know, it's pretty empty because everybody's watching the show. And some people, you know how they arrive late, they give their ticket stub to somebody at the door and they're coming in. Yeah. Well, I look over and here comes this guy giving his ticket stub to the ticket guy. And it's Bruce Kulik giving his ticket stub to the guy to get into the forum so he can see Kiss. Swear wow. to God. And, uh, and I said, hey, man. What's going on? <laughs> but yeah, you would think he would be backstage or on the side of the stage or something watching the show. Right. Yeah. I, I felt kind of embarrassed for him, you know, but at the same time, I felt a new respect for him too. Yeah. Because I, I thought, how cool, man. You know, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. He is a good dude. So I remember that. That always stuck in my mind, you know, uh, a couple of years later. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working in the music business myself. I'm working for, you know, I, like I told you, I was working for Pace and Geffen and Uni. And, uh, then I was, uh, well, I was working for MCA. Then I started working for Pace concerts. And then, uh, I ended up working for the Stones on the Bridges to Babylon tour, U2's, uh, uh, Pop Mart tour, uh, on just a few, more or less the Southeast regions of the country. But then, because of a man named Patrick Whitley, he used to work through Van Halen, which is another story. He was working for Kiss. And because of that association and my Pace Association, um, I got a job uh, working for Kiss. How's that? From 1976, being a mega fan, and then all of a sudden, I've got a laminate, and I'm working and getting paid, uh, you know, I'm just a production assistant, you know, but it was for the Southeast leg of uh, the Psycho Circus tour, you know, from like uh, Indy to Nashville, that that little area in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. That's awesome. That's like full circle shit right there. Yeah. It's a dream, you know. And uh, cool. after that, man, you know, my kiss, my kiss, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. My, my, my kiss is gone with the 20th century, man. It's like, that was, that was my band. That, that band, that 20, that's it. You know, I, I I'm not a fan of, of this band. You know, I mean, I, you know, I respect what they did and, you know, of course, my ears perk up if I hear something on the news or this or that. 
you know, and I, I'll never forget the, the great things and the wonderful things, but um, I, I'd give anything if they went out on that first farewell tour and just, just dropped it and let it be. And Paul could have done his solo stuff and Gene could have done his and, you know, maybe they get together and do a special thing or but yeah. to, to just run it into the ground like this, man. It just, it's just, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say I'm a Kiss fan because people don't understand. You know, I have to say, man, go to YouTube and, 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 and bring up, uh, you know, Kiss in 1976 at Madison Square Garden. You want to see some hungry motherfuckers. You know, yeah. you, you want to see rock and roll at its finest, you know, good. You know, I mean, it's amazing. You know, I mean, even I mean, even I'm watching Ace lately, man. I mean, Ace is not even playing up to his standards like he used to, mm. you know? Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of just screeching to a halt at this yeah, point. Yeah, it it's, is. I just know I, 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 it's like watching a train wreck in some aspects and I'm going, oh, please, you know, our fingernails on a chalkboard, you know. Yeah. I just keep watching the old video. Yeah, yeah, I have to. And, you know, it, when you see me talking about the old stuff, you, you, when you're talking to me and asking me to talk about these things, you're bringing out the little kid in me, you yeah. know. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like uh, it, we're talking about a frosted mini wheats here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the sweet side in me, like, you know, but the, the wheat side in me likes it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was a great time to be alive, man. You know, I'm glad I was there, right yeah. there in its inception. When I was there, I was a fan during the rise, you know, yeah. the rise of them when I had to, uh, you know, look for things to, to collect. When I knew that the Love Gun album's coming out next week, this thing, this Love Gun album, you know. And then you wait for it at the record store, you know. I mean, that's when it was great to be a Kiss fan, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you got to be there for everything. But it was tough to be a Kiss fan in the early '80s. Can you yeah. believe that period? <laughs> you know, because I would still blare the Elder and Unmasked out of my car because I'd oh, go, yeah. "Okay, all right, all right. Well, it's still Kiss," and I'd crank it to ten. <laughs> You know, you had to. Just the way it was. You were cr you were cranking Odyssey up to ten. Hell yeah! You know? <laughs> and it was and it was you know and it was still better than anything else everybody else put out. Yeah. Their worst was better than everybody else's. So, so Kiss was like pizza, even even when it's bad, it's still right. pretty good. <laughs> unless of course you're unless of course Van Halen, you know, then Van Halen comes out and. Well, that's going to be a, we're going to definitely have you back yeah. on because I know you've got a million Van Halen stories that we'll have to get into once we're done with uh, Christmas. You want to do, a, do a Van Halen thing, a Def Leppard thing. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> we'll have to go down the pack and knock them all down. Boom. Boom. Yeah, because I, I've got to hear stories about you and David Lee Roth in the same room because I'm sure there's some funny stories. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, there's some good stories, all right. And me and Alex Van Halen with uh, with my dead battery at Hickory Hollow Mall. Uh, they had a concert that night, and uh, we went to the Hickory Hollow Mall. And then we go back out to my car, and my car won't start. Oh, and me shit. and him are out in the parking lot trying to get people to help us uh, 
jumpstart my car. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> but funny at the same time when I look back, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you go, oh my god. I mean, only that this, you know. So there's so many things, you know. Or me and Rick Allen driving around uh, town. That was that was funny. People didn't believe it was Rick Allen, and I'd have to say, "Look, he's missing an arm." <laughs> <laughs> We'd be out in Bellevue driving. Kids would get off the bus. Hey, kids, we got Rick Allen in the car. Yeah, right, sure. What 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 more proof do you need? The man is missing an arm. For the love of God. <laughs> that could be any guy with missing an arm. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was beautiful back then. That would be the yeah. ultimate tribute uh, tribute band for Def Leppard. Drummer cuts his arm. Oh off. God! Or some illusionist, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's what he does. But like you said, I mean, the reason why you know you you meet a lot of these bands and and whatnot. Yeah, you know, originally we talked about the fact that I was the sheriff's son for a few of these, but on other ones. It was because, you know, I knew this person and because they'd go out and play. Like if I knew Def Leppard, uh, then they would be on the road with Billy Squire. So because I'm backstage with Def Leppard, I'd get to know everybody in Billy Squire. So that when Billy Squire goes out and he's playing, let's say Crocus opens up for them. Well, then I'd get to know everybody in Crocus. But then who didn't know everybody in Crocus because they opened up for everybody in the free world. Yeah. But uh I mean so it it was uh that's that's the way it worked. It was a domino effect and you you meet everybody through different ways and means. Back then it was much more easier and uh you know it was a great time and uh you didn't have to pay for you know like they do now these meet and greets. I mean that destroys the whole thing. I mean I can't do it. I can't pay you extra money, all right? I'm not going to do that unless you're some old, you know, Hollywood, uh, you know, I don't know if it was Clint Eastwood, I suppose I'd have to lay down some bucks to meet Clint, you know, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, back then we partied, you know, we partied and that's what, what it was all about. We didn't, we didn't have a meet and greet. We were back there partying now, yeah. you know, last time I was at Def Leppard, they had juice machines. You know? <laughs> I mean, nobody was doing anything. No smoking signs. Yeah. It's ridiculous. We recently had a conversation with the guitar player from Ugly Kid Joe about salad. Really? That was their most, that was their exciting thing they were doing was creating salads on the road. Rock and roll. Oh my God, you're kidding. (laughs) Oh, he's serious. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's just not the same anymore. I mean, I don't even know if the new bands are doing what these bands were doing back then. Uh, went from groupies and blow to juicing and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was awesome back in the day, you know. But now it's it's like a joke. I mean, I it's like somebody comes here. And then I don't want to see half the bands anymore because they're old. I want to remember them at their zenith, at their yeah. peak. I don't want to see them yeah. now and ruin my what my last train of thought about them. You know, I didn't want to go see Kiss this tour, but some Canadian friends of mine uh, came down. Uh, you know, a few a uh, couple years ago, whenever that tour when they came through here, 
and they bought me a ticket. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, yeah. it's like I've denounced Disney, you know, because I don't believe in what all they believe in. So, uh, but my daughter, you know, she, she she's going to turn 18 and, uh, you know, she, you know, she doesn't, she's autistic. She's nonverbal and uh, she doesn't know this stuff. And if that's going to make her happy, then by God, I'm going to swallow my pride and uh, take her to Disneyland. Of course. Oh. And you and Aaron have something in common. You both have kids with uh, kiss-related names. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I named my son Ace. What's your daughter's name? Shandy. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never I never liked Beth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shandy was so original, and I said, ooh, that's a cool name. Yeah. So if, I ever had, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Shandy. That's so cool, you nice. know. So, I uh, yeah, and it's just, it's really cool. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. You, really, Ace? You yep. said? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and his son got to meet Ace too. That's right. Oh, really? And when because he was pretty little, and then when I said, "Hey, you know, Ace, this is Ace. His name is Ace too," and then Ace Fraley looked looked at him. Looked at the camera, gave thumbs up, and said, "Hey, a pair of aces." And they snapped the picture. It was awesome. <laughs> Heck oh yeah. man, <laughs> that's great, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See now, 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 Chris has to do something about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've got my illegitimate son almost human. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too funny <laughs> well diamond man this has been awesome you've had so many awesome kiss adventures and chris was right 100 he's like we got to talk to this guy you're gonna love it the listeners are gonna love it i can't wait to have you back on again to tell us stories about the other bands that you found yourself in contact uh, with thanks. over the years thanks man i appreciate it. i had a ball i mean all my friends are really back home in nashville uh, you know, now my whole world revolves around Shandy and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm her servant and, uh, I do everything I can to make her, her world worthwhile. And, uh, so I just don't have time for friends. I, I did all this neat stuff back in the day, you know? Okay. Yeah. So that's why I can talk about it now and look back on it with fond memories this was fantastic because I got to relive some of these moments. And uh, now I, I did that, you know, I don't need any more of that, you know, been there, done that, you know, I, I, I sowed my wild oats, so to yeah. speak. Now I want to take care of, of this beautiful child, you know, you know, her, we had twins and we lost one of our girls. And so when you when that happens i mean i don't know it to me i just i my whole world now revolves around her so i want to make her life as good as i can amen you're a good man so, yeah, and so, a good dad so this this will be the 
the opening episode of uh, Christmas in July. And uh, on that note, uh, before we get out of here, why don't you pick a Tim? Why don't you pick a Kiss deep cut for us to play out on? Ooh, a deep cut, not the Odyssey. Yeah, nothing from. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh God, a deep cut. What's your favorite Kiss song? I like. Uh, <laughs> I've I've always liked. Uh, you know, I don't know why I like Christine Sixteen. <laughs> and and there, there's your there's your name, but I I went with Shandy instead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I liked uh, Christine Sixteen and Shock Me because on forty five you had the two. Uh, you know, I had that and I, uh, you know, um, but I, I love all the 70s stuff. Um, I think uh, I ta- here's a good, good uh, deep track, um, Going Blind. Um, good words to that are, are, are just, I mean, I mean, if you take it seriously, it is an unbelievably sad song. And the older I get, the more I understand this song. And uh, and it's heavy, yeah. You know, it's really heavy duty. Uh, yeah, going blind's a good one. But I think uh, my 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 uh, favorite Kiss tracks pretty much scatter. You know, my favorite albums pretty much are like, you know, like Love Gun and uh, Rock and Roll Over, Hotter Than Hell, Dynasty, uh, the Paul and Ace's solo albums. Those would be my top five right there. Yeah. But my favorite singles are like, you know, Christine 16, God Gave Rock and Roll to You, Hide Your Heart, Parasite, I Stole Your Love is probably the song I never get sick of in the whole world. Yeah. Always pumps me up. Um, Charisma is a, would you call that a deep cut? That's a great song. Uh, Something about that song, man. When I first heard that, I said, oh, this is. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But going blind. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, well, there you have it. You've been listening to the Decibel Geek Podcast. Uh, I don't know how much Christmas in July you're getting, but apparently you're getting some, at least. So I hope you enjoy it, whether you voted for it with your reviews and recommendations or not. We're still going to bring it to you one way or another. This has been awesome. We'll be back with something cool next week. And we're definitely going to be back with Diamond Tim and talk some more rock and roll backstage adventures in the near future. So let us know how much you like this, and that'll let us know how soon we need to get Tim back on the show. So I know you guys enjoyed this. Let us know, because Tim's going to read these reviews too, and I know he had a good time. I had a good time. Chris had a good time. (laughs) We always have fun when we're talking about the hottest band in the world, Kiss. And so we will see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.